The Guardian. I decided I would nip into town to do a little bit of shopping and I'd parked in my usual spot in the multi-storey car park and as I came back to the car I was faced with two sets of stairs and it, it took me ages literally dragging myself up by my arms because I didn't realise that at home I naturally do the stairs on all fours and it's just part and parcel of every day that now but when you're in a car park you can't go up the stairs on all fours so by the time I got up this second set of stairs I sat in the car and I just cried because I realised something that I'd taken totally for granted had been taken away from me. This is Vicky Naylor. She's a nurse from Wigan and she's telling me what it's like to live with a chronic pain condition called fibromyalgia. For the past 11 years, Vicky's been dealing with an illness that can make something as trivial as popping out to the shops into an excruciating ordeal. The initial symptoms I had was almost like um, a burning sensation on my skin. It's like you're hypersensitive to touch at times. You get general aches and pains. Um, Mine were predominantly shoulders, neck, elbows, feet, hips. Also, along with the pain, you get terrible stiffness. So when you wake up in the morning during a flare-up, You literally cannot get out of the bed. You cannot get dressed. And another symptom is severe brain fog. So obviously, as you can imagine, for a nurse, if you're not functioning mentally very well, it certainly makes the job a lot harder. And conditions like Vicky's are much more common than you might think. According to one estimate from 2016, just over 40% of people in the UK are affected by some form of chronic pain. And yet, if you were to meet one of them in the street, you probably wouldn't even realise anything was wrong. I mean, it's not like having a broken leg. There's nothing visible to see. So to everybody else, I look perfectly normal. But if I'm having a particularly difficult day, they won't understand that. If I'm looking for words and can't find my words or I'm forgetting things, they don't understand that, you know, you're battling this condition day in, day out. There's a growing recognition that pain can be a debilitating disease in and of itself. But despite that, scientists don't really understand much about what causes chronic pain conditions or the best way to treat them. From The Guardian, I'm Anand Jagatia, and today on Science Weekly, the first of two episodes trying to understand chronic pain. So, Linda Geddes, you are a Guardian science correspondent and you've been doing some reporting on chronic pain. Pain itself is actually useful. It's something that we need, right? But in chronic pain, that's no longer the case. 
Yes, that's right. So pain probably evolved as a way of identifying harmful stimuli and withdrawing from them. So, you know, you put your hand in a fire, it hurts, you remove your hand and you might touch something hot without realising it's hot. So it's it's very useful to have pain. And it, and it might have also enabled us to learn about what are bad things in our environment. You know, you get savaged by a saber-toothed tiger. <laughs> It hurts. You learn not to go near those animals again. Um, but chronic pain is no longer this kind of helpful process. It's something that lasts and it probably doesn't have a function. The kind of proper definition of it is pain lasting for more than 12 weeks, despite taking medication or treatment. And pain can be caused by different things. And it's not always linked to an obvious form of damage in the body. Absolutely. So traditionally, pain researchers and and doctors have divided pain into two broad categories. There's this thing called nociceptive pain, which involves an injury to the tissue, like your again your your you know your hand or your foot or your knee. These tissues contain pain receptors in them. So you know nociceptive pain. Some examples of that might be a bruise, a burn, a fractured bone, uh, or inflammation from a condition like arthritis. Then you have neuropathic pain, which involves damage to the nerves that carry these signals from these peripheral organs and limbs to the spinal cord and then onto the brain. So an example of nerve damage might be something like sciatica. But in the last few years, there's been this growing recognition that there's a third type of pain, which has been called nociplastic pain. Um, And that involves altered processing of the sensory signals in the nerves without any obvious injury. Okay, so there are three different kinds of pain then, really. One is where you maybe injure yourself and then you have special nerve endings that uh, detect damage and send a signal for pain. Uh, The other is where those nerve endings themselves become inflamed or damaged and that leads to pain. And then a third kind of pain, which is caused by something else. Yeah, so, you know, these, these signals these pain signals within the nerves become amplified. So one of the researchers I spoke to described it as a kind of, it's a bit like an allergic reaction in the pain system. So that even something not painful, like brushing your hair or brushing past your chair as you walk past it, suddenly becomes much more painful than it previously had done. And the other thing that can happen when you get this this nosoplastic pain or this, you know, this kind of amplified pain signalling is that, that it can spread So, you know, you might start off with pain in your jaw or pain in your lower back, but then um, over time it it spreads to other areas. So, you, you know, you might start experiencing migraines or irritable bowel syndrome. So this third kind of pain, nociplastic pain, what's causing that? Where does this pain suddenly come from and how can normally unpainful things suddenly start to become really painful? I think pain researchers don't know for sure at this stage, but it it definitely exists. So, but there are some clues. So they refer to this phenomenon as central sensitization. And one idea is that it may be that you have these kind of intense, repeated, sustained activations of the nerves that carry these pain signals, you know, because of an injury or because of inflammation caused by an illness. And that causes these nerve fibres to become sensitised. But you also have um, pathways coming back down from the brain to the spinal cord and the peripheral organs, which usually switch off those pain signals after a few minutes. And what seems to happen in some of these chronic pain conditions is that those 
those pain signals coming back down from the brain are not turning off properly. So you get this constant pain signaling going on. So it seems like there's a bit of a disconnect there, that there isn't necessarily a link between where you feel the pain in your body and what's actually causing the problem. No. And one of the people I interviewed is called Daniel Claw. He's a pain researcher at the University of Michigan. And he likens this phenomenon of central sensitization to an electric guitar. So if you have an electric guitar, there's two ways of making a noise, right? So one is to one is to strum the guitar strings harder and then it will be louder. But the other thing is to turn up the amplifier. And if you turn up the amplifier, you can strum the guitar strings quite lightly, but it will make a lot of noise. So Vicky, who, who we heard from earlier, she has a chronic pain condition called fibromyalgia. And that's something you've written about as well, Linda. What do we know about fibromyalgia and, and what causes it? You know, for many years, no one has really understood what's going on with fibromyalgia. For You know, for a long time, people thought fibromyalgia was just in people's head. I mean, the patients certainly don't think that, but there's been this this kind of lack of understanding about what on earth is going on and therefore it's really, really hard to find a treatment for it. But actually there was a study published which suggests that there may be an immune component to fibromyalgia. So um, researchers took antibodies from people who suffer from fibromyalgia and they injected them into mice and the mice started to exhibit pain-like symptoms. And if you took antibodies from people who don't have fibromyalgia and put them into mice, they don't, you don't see the same thing. They behave normally. A bit of evidence, at least, that it could have some sort of immune component. And that could be that the, you know, the immune system is attacking the nerve fibres, or it could be that immune cells are releasing something which causes these nerves to become oversensitized. One thing that can be really difficult uh, for people with conditions like fibromyalgia is not having their pain understood or even recognised or believed by doctors and healthcare professionals. And that's something that I spoke to Vicky about because she struggled with it too. Because I have had um, a previous heart condition as a child, the doctor had gone down that route and sent me for numerous cardiac tests and everything had come back completely clear and we were still none the wiser of what was going on with me um, and you start to feel that you know you're, you're harassing the doctor and they can't nothing is showing up in tests and you're going around in circles and you start to think well am i imagining this illness yeah, it, it can be absolutely exhausting fighting to get people to recognise that one, you're not well, fighting to get treatment, fighting to get a diagnosis, you know, and it does put added pressure on you and it does affect your physical and mental health. Eventually, Vicky was referred to a specialist by her GP and she was given a diagnosis of fibromyalgia. Linda, I'm wondering, the people that you've spoken to for your reporting on this, what have they said? Have their experiences been similar in terms of maybe struggling to get a diagnosis or maybe not being you know, understood or taken seriously? Yeah, a lot of them describe it as trying to navigate a maze, really, and how well your pain is dealt with really comes down to the luck of 
who your doctor is. So some doctors, it's fair to say, take pain very, very seriously. They understand that, you know, the patient's experience needs to be respected and they will refer patients for um, specialist help. But other doctors in the past have not been quite so good. So women are, seem to be more predisposed for these um, chronic pain conditions. And there are, you know, there are, there are reports of patients waiting years to be taken seriously and just having their you know their experiences they go back repeatedly to their doctor saying i'm i'm in complete agony i can't work i can't socialize my relationship with my family is deteriorating because i'm you know depressed or have a very you know short temper because i'm in a lot of pain um and their doctors kind of haven't really helped very much and i think you know Historically, and of course this isn't true of all doctors, of course it isn't, but historically a lot of the doctors seeing them would have been male and there was this idea of the hysterical woman complaining about pain and, and then being dismissed. And I guess, you know, because we don't really know as much as we would like about these conditions, medicine is almost kind of playing catch up with, with people's real lived experiences. Yeah, absolutely. And even though there's now this kind of acceptance that there is this third kind of nosoplastic pain, which, you know, occurs without any obvious injury, there's still no test. There's still no biomarker that could be used. So if you kind of go in and say, doctor, I'm experiencing constant pain, it seems to be, I seem to be getting more pain in different parts of my body. There's still, they can't take, do a blood test and say, ah, oh, what you've got is nosoplastic pain. We're not at that point yet. So we're still kind of a bit stuck. Next time on Science Weekly, is the COVID-19 pandemic threatening to make chronic pain even more of a problem? Join us on Thursday for part two, where we'll be looking at why chronic pain is worse in women than in men, what can be done to manage and treat it, and how it can intersect with things like trauma and mental health, as well as coronavirus. Thanks so much to Vicky Naylor for sharing her experiences with us, and also to Linda Geddes, you can read Linda's reporting on this as well as a whole series on chronic pain and COVID at theguardian.com. We'll be back on Thursday. See you then. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.